Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Look, BetOnline, it is the fastest, it's the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And March Madness is upon us. Opening day is right around the corner. I don't know. Cubs futures, y'all. BetOnline, it's got you covered. It's got news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to place your bets. And it's also, hey, free to sign up. So head to the website or go on your mobile device to betonline.ag right now to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus and your first deposit. Bet online. It's your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming into the pod. It's a Chicago Cubs season pod preview 2021 style. They're taking the field again. Opening day is right around the corner, so it's time to bring in my Cubs consigliaries. Coming up first, Sean Graves. Hello, Sean. Hello, Joey. It is opening day in baseball. Opening week is upon us. I can't wait to get my hands and toes dipped into some baseball parlays. How about that, my friend? Cubs to win, Cardinals to lose, Sean makes some money. And it's going to be 42 degrees on opening day, so those hands and toes are going to be wrapped in gloves and mittens for that big Absolutely. opening day. <laughs> also coming up next, his pitch count is up to 275. He's ready to go deep, and by I mean deep, 17 innings, it's Dom Fortini. Hello, Dom. Oh, I am excited. Over, under, on 16 beers on opening day. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready to rock. I got my blue cubby Kool-Aid out right here, and we are ready to talk some Chicago Cubs baseball. It has been an off-season of discontent, as we have documented very, very often on this podcast today. But right now, the season is upon us. And guys, I have to be honest with you. After everything that's happened, after all the rants and ravings and all the yelling that I've done into this microphone, I'm kind of ready for this team to take the field and let's just see what they got. They've had an excellent spring training, right? The offense has looked good. It's 15 and nine. Sean, we're going to start with you first. Let's just start with the emotional aspect of opening day is right around the corner. Are Cubs fans ready for this season? I mean, this is definitely a thousand percent the last hurrah of this core right now. Are Cubs fans, would you say closer to being angst ridden? upset about what has happened over the offseason, or are they fully prepared to maybe watch these guys one last time? I mean, I think first and foremost, Cub fans and all baseball fans are just excited to have a real opening day this year, you know, to have opening day right at the end of March, beginning of April, and to hopefully get a, you know, a full 162 game season. Uh, I mean, I, I would like to think that most Cubs, you know, we all go into the season with, with good vibes, full of joy, we still do have good players. Let's go out there, take the grass and see what happens. I mean, I know we'll get into it. We've had some things this week that has probably caused us a little more angst, but I think, I think overall we got positive vibes going into it. Let's enjoy opening day. Dom, I want to ask you, Tom Ricketts, bygones be bygones, baby. We love you. We forgive you. We hug you. We kiss you. It's all Chicago Cubs baseball here on Ford. Or are we walking into opening day feeling a little bit more uneasy than we normally would? 100%. I mean, I don't know what the future of these guys are. I don't know what the future of the franchise is. I can't necessarily, and thank, thankfully it's not my job to, but like, what is the next few years going to bring? Like at least in 20, man, wasn't 2016 great. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like in we, we are two minutes into the pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, at least in like 2013, they started to turn a corner 2014. They start picking up some steam 2015. We're right there. And then the magic played out in 2016. You could see direction. The game plan was laid out. I don't know what the game plan is with this organization and they continue to baffle me as far as opening day goes. I'm freaking ready. I'm, I'm ready to hear some, 
you know, even at spring training, it was nice to hear the one guy yelling from the stands, like, God, that feels good to hear again. You know, the pitcher's <laughs> throwing over in the sixth inning of a spring training game when the guy's yelling, boring, perfect. And I couldn't believe it wasn't me. Throw strikes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't get that. You don't get that in the empty stadium. Yeah, it's tough to uh, it's tough to wrap your head around. Is this club right now keeping their cards close to the vest or is this just kind of mismanagement being played out before our very eyes? And Sean, you alluded to it. Let's just get into it real quick. Anthony Rizzo, Mr. Cub himself, of the post millennia era came out and just had an interview and told his agents to stop talking to him about a contract as we enter into the season. A lot of Cubs fans and I think probably Rizzo's team was hoping that they can get a deal done. Sounds like they're pretty far away in terms of what Rizzo wants and what the Cubs expect to offer him right now. I mean, the, this Cubs organization cannot get out of its way to save its life right now. No. And, and, and this was such a massively huge missed opportunity. Like you just said, we're coming off a pretty good spring. We're ready to go. Imagine if yesterday had been a, a press conference where Rizzo got the extension. Imagine the good like vibes, the jolt that could have sent through the locker room into Cubs fan and it would have calmed down some of Dom's fears about like, what the hell are we doing going forward? It would have been so much better. And instead you hear reports coming out there. Low, how do you lowball Anthony freaking Rizzo? The guy is as consistent as there is in baseball. And if you're basing this off what he did last year in 2020, get the F out of here with that nonsense. And apparently the Cubs are putting more stock in that than most teams. But how do you offer Anthony Rizzo five years at 170 when he's looking a little south and looking at Goldschmidt at the same year getting a contract five years at 131? If you just go to Rizzo and say, hey, man, five years at 100, I think he says, absolutely, I'm a Cub for life. Let's go. I mean, how do you do that? How does Jed Hoyer, how do the Ricketts, you want to talk about continuing to piss the fans off? Let Anthony Rizzo walk away after this year because you lowballed it. Ridiculous. I can't imagine a contract that doesn't have three numbers on. on it for Anthony on. Rizzo. And look, he's still, oh, good. He's 31 years old. It's Guys, guess what? He's got four, five, six good years left in the major leagues, right? I mean, this isn't something where, like, he's on the downside. I mean, he's got some productive years left. The Cubs seem to be, as an organizational standpoint, improve it mode to all of their players. I find that to be a bit fascinating. I mean, do you call bullshit on them kind of blaming the 2020 numbers? Because as a whole, I don't think the Chicago Cubs have really gone across the board. They say that they have, but they've never really taken care of their guys in-house and wrapped them up with these long-term deals. So this whole prove it mode right now seems to be disingenuous. Yeah, I don't even know if, if prove it. I mean, who are they trying to prove it to? I mean, like Sean said, here's how you prove it is give, I mean, $30 million. That's life changing for any of us. But, you know, in terms of the grand scheme of the game, that's nothing. That is nothing to keep the, the pinnacle of this organization for the last almost decade at this point. Um, it's so disheartening to read that um, $30 million difference is just it's stupid. I mean, okay, that's a Schwarber, that's a pitcher. I mean, that's, that's, that's a Tyler Chatwood. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've given away more than $30 million in the last two years. Yep. And it's not like you're not going to recoup the money. He is the face of this organization. You know, when people say it's going to be Baez, it's going to be Bryant, you could end up with none of them. And that is, that's shocking to me. I, I mean, at worst, you have Anthony Rizzo as the standard and just, you know, piecemeal around him. But if you don't have any of those three and, and Contreras is going to walk, what does this say to the other players? You know, if you're not going to give him the money, I don't even want to deal with you guys. 
and look, I'll say ultimately, I think that this does get done at some point, but, but what is this setting like as far as other free agents in the, in the future years coming forward? Like why, why do you want to come to the Cubs when the Cubs preach, you know, it's a family, it's the Cubs way, but when it comes time to taking care of their guys, they're lowball. Like they lowball. Like, 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 what are we, like, what are we doing? You know, you hear guys like Yachty Molina and Adam Wainwright talk about the Cardinal way and they take care of them. Like, how are we not? And it, it hurts me to even talk about them. How are we, how do we look at Anthony Rizzo and not just go, what do you want, man? Like, don't ask for $200 million, but come on. Is is, is a hundred going to get it done? We're done. I'm, I don't even need to come at you with $70 million. It's just stupid. Because this is, this is the problem, right? Is, are we Pittsburgh now? Thing the perspective free agents is until our profit margin is in line, don't come here. And if you're until our profit margin is in line, if you're on the team, you're not going to get paid until the organization and the owners get paid. We're not going to go on and on about this, but again, this leads back to a conversation we had some months ago. And we can we can remove, I think, our love for the Chicago Cubs on the field for our feelings that we feel about ownership right now. And again, I will reiterate. Chicago Cubs ownership does not have the fans or the baseball players and the people that work so hard to put good baseball players on the field. They do not have their best interest in mind until they get their money right. That is literally what is going to be happening now for the next year, hopefully two years, and maybe hopefully shorter because maybe if they do get their money in line, they'll open up the checkbook again, and we're supposed to say thank you, thank you, thank you, and kiss the feet of Tom Ricketts. We're, we're literally right now, this team is – in a stagnant mode and and there's all this bad will that's kind of being drudged up right now because of this whole concept of the Cubs aren't making money. And for whatever reason, the Ricketts family is in financial straits, if you will, Tom hop in. You want to know how I bought a house? I knew the game was going to be played and I just pretty much went to the owner and was just like, listen, I, I don't want to play the game. I need a place to live. I like this place to live. What is the amount of money that's going to get to take it done? That was the negotiation. They gave us a number. Boom. We like this. This is great. That's what you could have done with Rizzo. It could have been so simple and it's not, it's becoming, and you know, he said at the back end of his quote, like it's a business, it's a business. And I know we know it's a business, but I mean, you've got to have, you've got to have your business in the right order to be able to have a successful business. And, and I think this is, is leading us down a, a tough path for the next few years. Yeah. And this is my big problem is I think there's a philosophy to business just in general. And right now the Cubs as owners are operating the business with the philosophy of we get paid first, everyone else gets paid second instead of, if you just if you invest in a guy like Anthony Rizzo, guess what? You're going to sell out Wrigley Field for the next four or five years. You can almost pretty much guarantee it when you invest in the players, not just the core players that won the World Series, but core, but players that are still productive on the field and players that the fans still want to root for and get behind. When you own a sports or like own a sports franchise, in my opinion, it's a constant long play. It's not about what you earn this year. It's about what you're going to earn five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 25 from years from now. And you can't screw around with that. And I think the Cubs are definitely screwing around with that right now, being like, we can cut costs right now and we can literally bleed this team dry and bleed the goodwill of the fan base dry for a couple of years because we think it's going to come back. And I think that's a dangerous game. Sean, hop in. Well, yeah, and, the, and the, it seems they had this mentality of like, we can do whatever we want and the Cup fans will just show up. I mean, if you like money so much, what are you going to do next year when you let all these guys walk and you got April and May and September and there's 20,000 fans in the stand for half the season with a half empty ballpark because you've given them nothing but minor leaguers and up and comers to watch. 
I mean, I've been there. It's, we've all been there. It's freezing in April and May. You don't give me a good product. I'm selling my seats those days, right? So it's incredibly short-sighted to not pay these guys what they're owed and keep them around, keep the product going until you can fully rebuild that next championship. And we like to fool around and say, you know, it's a tourist trap and people just come to see the ballpark and stuff. Don't underestimate the self-loathing nature of a Cubs fan. Because if, if you don't know anything about us, we've been through some dark shit. And, and over time, we have come to we, we had created almost an expectation with this Cubs team that, that it was just never going to happen. Right. It, I was kind of at peace with that, especially when they did this this last rebuild just before Theo came in. Everything fell apart. You know, I, my expectations were probably as low as they could possibly be. And they better be careful. It's going to trend back into that direction. Yep. It's time to pivot now. Let's get it onto the field right now, because all that stuff aside, you're thinking, oh, man, we think so negatively about the Cubs. I actually have a lot of positive vibes in general about this Cubs team in terms of what they've been uh, given in terms of the scraps of finances that they were able to dole out. I thought they at least made a couple moves that seem to be paying off so far in a positive way, you know, let's just talk about Jacques Peterson's spring just real fast, seven home runs. I mean, did he blow it all out in the spring or do you think this might set up and be a harbinger for maybe a strong start to the season? I find, you know, at least at this point, he's super interesting to watch. I mean, he's putting up these big numbers and, and that's all fine and dandy when you're facing a team's sixth or seventh pitcher down the line. But he is facing some starters. He is facing some lefties. He hit the home. He hit the home run off the lefty the other day. He had two home runs uh, in the game the other day. And and I find we we joked earlier about Nico's swing, but like I find Jack Peterson's whole stance at the plate and how he can even hit the ball that's so interesting. It's like it's kind of a spring loaded deal. I don't know how you generate that much power, but I'm not the professional that he is. But that almost lends itself to when that spring is not perfectly balanced and that spring is not timed perfectly. You're not going to end up with a slash line like he did. You're not going to end up with 378, 431 and 1000, 45 advanced, 20 RBI. I mean, he's wrecking shop right now. Um, we'll see how that wind blowing in on Thursday and throughout the weekend kind of shifts that. Uh, I mean, if he's a fly ball hitter in Arizona, that's really great. So uh, I'll see you in June when things start heating up here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Save it up, baby. Save it up. It might be a little bit chillier when you come to Wrigley. Yeah. Sean, just uh, talk a little bit about Jack Peterson and just talk about this lineup in general. You know, you look up and down, and I see guys, you know, I see Anthony Rizzo hitting almost about 300. I see David Bodie having a great spring. Yeah. I see Contreras hitting his fourth home run of the spring, you know, out of the ballpark. I see second baseman producing all over the field. We can get into that in a little bit. But so far, so good for this offense, don't you think? Yeah, you know, first off, I think Jock Peterson is fit in seamlessly. Like, he seems like just his personality is right into that cubby chemistry in the locker room. So it's a great fit from that scene. And look, he's had a, a phenomenal spring. I mean, do I think ultimately over 500 at bats, he'll get exposed by lefty pitchers? Probably, probably for sure. But if the guy comes in and he gives you a season where he happens to hit what 250, but he pops 30 bombs, isn't that still an upgrade over Schwarber, especially considering he's a better defensive player too. So I think it's going to be a good signing for us. And yeah, the lineup in general, I mean, you know, look, what I have loved to have seen Chris Bryant not hit a buck 58 in spring or Javi hit a buck 88, especially coming off last year. Yeah. But I, I I'm, smart enough and watched enough spring trainings now to know that, you know, what Jock Peterson did and what KB and Javi did, it's all probably going to balance out and they're probably going to end up having decent years. And I do, I love the depth right now, man. I, I really, like really love seeing Willie hitting two in the lineup. 
right? I, I was always kind of like, oh, let's get KB up there. Let's have the best hit. But I've kind of loved Willie right there and then going from there. What's more concerning to you, Baez or Chris Bryant? I mean, you see Chris Bryant, his slugging percentage is under 300 right now. You know, Javi seems to be just kind of going through the motions a little bit. Batting average isn't there, but I, 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 I'm pretty concerned about Chris Bryant. Where are you on that? Rightfully so or not, doesn't your first thing with Chris Bryant always go to, is he healthy? Yeah. When you see him, when you see him not hitting home runs, you see him losing his power, you immediately go to, is the shoulder bothering him? Is the wrist bothering him? Is the, the, the knee is whatever? That's, that's definitely, and I also wonder too, like, you know, you, you hear about Rizzo in contract extensions and you hear about Baez in contract extensions, nothing with KB. So he really does have that pressure of like, this is a prove it year for, for me, Cubs aren't talking to me. So I'm definitely going to have to go out in that open market next year. And if I come out here and get hurt again and hit 260 with 15 home runs, my markets financially is going to plummet. Oh, I mean, he'll have to take a one-year deal somewhere and probably yeah. keep trying to kick the can down the road and see if he can reset yeah. the market. Well, I mean, Javi's excuse last year was he didn't have the video. He didn't have the crowd to kind of fuel his fire. Well, he got, you know, now we got in the video back and now you've got some crowd in the stands and you're still hitting what you're hitting. Um, I think the fielding's going to be there. I think the hitting's going to, along with the weather, it's going to heat up. But again, I would have to agree with you both and say Chris Bryant is more concerning at this point. And like Sean said, first thought is, oh my gosh, is it the shoulder? Is it the nagging injury? Is it favoring the, the side of the nagging injury kind of thing. And now you hurt yourself somewhere else. Um, if, yeah, if he wants that one-year deal and he wants to come back for dirt cheap, I know a team that could use him. Brian's more concerning than Javi. I, I think Javi with, with the improvements to the game and, and the crowd coming back, I think it's going to be a better deal, but I think they're both going to obviously have a much better year than last year. Um, I think Javi will probably have a better year because also in, in prove it mode, he's just going to rise a little bit more than Brian. Again, I love Chris Bryant as, as a baseball player. He has very natural ability that doesn't seem to be in every ball player, but he also will hit 240. <laughs> and then that's, you know, if that's natural for him and, and we saw what he was when he was great and now he's no longer going to be that, that's, this is a different story. Um, and I, I just hope obviously the best for the both. Uh, Chris Bryan, he's got, he's got to pick it up just a tad here. I keep saying the same things over and over about Chris Bryant, and I just don't think they're going to change. He needs to fire Scott Boris tomorrow. He is no longer that type of player. He needs to find the best type of deal for himself that isn't necessarily top dollar. You know, he can't just go to the San Francisco Giants on some sort of crazy deal. And then I just think it's a disaster for him. And you're bringing up a good point, Dom, where honestly, Chicago is kind of the place where he should stay. If he wants to keep his, whatever you want to call it, the, the credibility, the legacy of what he's building in his career, the known the known commodity that is Chris Bryant, the best way to maintain that is probably staying in Chicago. And this is reckless, but we're hypothetically just throwing some stuff around. I keep wondering, like, is Chris Bryant's shoulder still screwed up? Like, they told him to have surgery on it. He didn't have surgery on it. And he sort of in the back of his mind said, you know what? If I can rehab this and play through it and I can get a big deal, eventually I can get go under the knife and get that done because then I have the money and then I can take that four or five months off to rehab it and it won't screw up my value on the open market. Well, guess what? I think it screwed up his value on the open market. You cannot tell me that his swing looks exactly the same than it did three years ago. 
there was just a, a whip, a whip violent finish to his swing. What in 16 and 17, that just isn't there anymore. It's almost like he's trying to finish with a golf swing where it's like, he's kind of trying to like finish it off. It's not going all the way through. And I, I, is it fair, Sean, to say that like you feel bad for Chris Bryant just a little bit because he's just gone through all these different things and we've believed in his talent so deeply and he keeps banking on this big Scott Boris offseason that honestly I don't think is coming to fruition. Well, it's not coming. I mean, unless he unless he has an MVP year again, it's 100% not coming. I, I do feel bad for him in this sense, right? The, the whole like injury prone label is a bit misleading because all of his injuries are on the baseball field, like playing hard. Like he can't control Hold a guy. On, Sean. You can't get hit in the face. Can't you can't right. <laughs> you got right? like, can't control a guy drilling him in the head. Like when he's running hard and he dives for a ball and his wrist, you know what I mean? Like it's hard baseball stuff that he's doing. He's not pulling, he's not pulling an Eloy trying to jump and catch a ball that's 500 feet out of the ballpark and pulling his muscle, right? So I do feel bad for him on that sense. But when I think about KB and I think about like Riz and Bias, like we talk about contracts with those guys. Like I, I have an idea where to start with Riz. I have an idea where to start with Javi. If you ask me right now what I would offer KB, I, I, I honestly, thinking about this, I have no idea from years or a number what I would even consider giving Chris Bryant at this point because I just don't know who or what exactly he is as a baseball player anymore. Like Dom said, yeah, he's got great ability still, but we're just not seeing it as much as we used to. I'll be brutally honest with you. I'll tell you what it is. It's four years, 80 million right now. And he should stay with the Cubs. You're right about that. And if he did, and if he did a one year prove it, I don't think he gets more than 12 or 15 on the open market. I'm, I'm dead serious. And that's just where he is right now. And that's why I think, yeah, him working out a deal with the Chicago Cubs is probably the best way to go about it. Like we still love the guy. We still believe in the yeah. dude and everyone still knows Chris Bryant on the Chicago Cubs. He can still make a lot of money in endorsements and all that other stuff and maybe try and get his career back together a little bit. That isn't so reliant on numbers. And I just think this is all driven by Scott Boris more than Chris Bryant. I mean, I'm trying to give the dude a pass. It's just when you sign up for the Scott Boris program, you have to do exactly what, the proven formula of the Scott yep. Boris life is. And I just don't think that his career fits into that mode anymore. Dom hop in. Is Chris Bryant, the next Mark Pryor, you know, a guy who we pin all these hopes on. He kind of shows us this, this great flash of what you're going to be. And then is never, ever the same. Thanks to these, these weird injuries. Thanks to the, thanks to the agency who represents him. I mean, obviously it kind of works out for Mark Pryor in his life in the end, but for Cub to Mark Pryor will always be, we don't know what he could have been. And, and that's what's really depressing. Is that the same situation that Chris Bryan is beginning to have some similarities to? I'll go you one step further based on all the things you just said. He's Derek Rose. Yeah, that's Derek, the I mean, he won, he won an MVP yeah. and injuries more or less have completely sapped what made him special. And now Derek Rose is still a very solid basketball player, right? But he's averaging, you know, the 12 to 15 points a game when everyone was kind of expecting him to be in the 22 to 25 during the prime of his career. And for me, that's Chris Bryant, right? If Chris Bryant signs a deal with the Chicago Cubs and over the next three years, let's say he averages 275 and about like 20 home runs as a Cubs fan, I'm not going to be upset, but if he's on any other team making top dollar, Holy shit. Watch out. You know what I mean? (laughs) Seriously though. Right. Like, yeah, you're going to start hearing words like bust thrown out, right? If he goes to the giants and it's 260 with 18 home runs over a four-year span, he's going to be called a bust. Like Cubs fans would never say that because of what he did for 2016, but he'll get that from other teams. And think about another player that I think about a lot is think about Evan Longoria. 
Evan Longoria, when he was on Tampa Bay, was honestly a revered player in that city, in that franchise, in that organization. He took the money. He went somewhere else. He went to San Francisco. And to be honest, we never really heard from him again. He played out his years in San Francisco, but those Giants fans, they don't really care about Longoria. That whole legacy factor of him perhaps becoming, you know, Mr. Tampa Bay Ray was kind of eroded and gone because he, he sort of chased the money a little bit and went to a ballpark that wasn't good for him. And he couldn't put up the power numbers anymore and he got hurt. And these are all cautionary tales. We're just trying to throw out there to Chris Bryant just to let you know, man, like I get it that you want to get paid, but I think the security and situation maybe needs to rule over top dollar because you're no longer going to get that top dollar. And in the case of Anthony Rizzo, I just think it's a totally different situation because I believe that he's proved it over time. And I think that there's a number that isn't going to, he doesn't need top dollar to prove what he's worth, but you, you can't disrespect him as, as you said, Sean. Yeah. And in the case of Javi Baez, I think Javi's going to make his own market. Right. And he can still get top dollar, but it's all kind of pretty much on Javi's shoulders at this point. Yeah. So let's just talk about this lineup in general. I mean, this is, I mean, we're here again, baby. I mean, are you guys ready? I'm going to talk myself into it for one last time because you know what? <laughs> Next year, it's not going to be the same. But again, this lineup has tons of former All-Stars in it. It's got a guy named Ian Happ who's going to get a full 162 slate and hopefully the player that we think that he's finally turned into. We've got a guy, as we mentioned, Jock Peterson, who I think is, I agree with you, Sean, he's an upgrade over Kyle Schwarber in pretty much every conceivable way other than maybe power. But I would say Jacques Peterson probably could hit as many home runs as Jacques, as, as Kyle Schwarber. Dom, we're going to go to you first, man. What do you make of this lineup? Do you see a bounce back? Do you see a scenario? Can this Cubs offense become a top eight in the National League offense again? You know what's awesome about being a Cubs fan? The fact that <laughs> you preface that question with, I'm going to talk myself back into how great this lineup is every single year. Because we, we we've done it that. like on we five got a couple of all stars. We got guys coming off down years, a couple of guys on contract years. Red hot, baby. Red hot. It's what makes opening week so great, Dom. If we, <laughs> could, just, first. If we could just get Jason Hayward back to the St. Louis days, Dom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's uh, all those things are true. Everything we just, everything that just flew off the cuff is totally true with this team. We do have a couple of all-stars. You do have a couple of veteran presences. You do have a couple of guys coming off down years and you do have a couple of guys in contract years. There's no reason this lineup shouldn't produce. Now we can go back to 2017 and 2018, 2019 and say the same thing. Like, Hey, there's no reason this lineup shouldn't produce. The pitching staff is solid. That narrative has changed just a bit. You're going to have to hit the ball. You're going to have to put runners on base. You're going to have to get them in. And that's proven to be the Achilles heel of this team for the past few years. Now, you know, before opening day, am I also excited to have Ian Happ, who can't stop crushing the ball for some odd reason, proving me wrong every single day of the week? <laughs> I mean, who is this guy? Who I made one joke about Ian Happ and how he is on a video game, and the guy exploded into this <laughs> massive creature of a ball player. I don't even understand it. Contreras is going to be an up and down hitter. Rizzo, trustworthy at the third spot. I, I could almost switch. Bryant and Contreras two and four love and Peterson at five Baez Hayward and Bodie at the bottom. Not I mean, bad. Yep. It's a good, it's a really good setup on paper right now. Are there guys who tend to wave and swing at pitches that aren't in the zone trying to hit home runs? Yeah. Out of those eight, I can easily count four five and six that love to swing at pitches and you're going to have to make 
a better effort this year to get those runners in. Cause you know, we'll get to the pitching staff. Is it as solid on lockdown as it has been in the last few years? No, you're going to have to score a little flabby. <laughs> you're gonna have, you know, I, my arm feels good. Maybe not after my vaccination, but my arm's going to feel real good going into this year. And hopefully Jed will be calling me getting some of that bias money. You're going to have, again, I think you said it earlier in the, in the podcast. If, if you were to have a t-shirt for this team this year, it's going to have to be prove it because whether I trust them or not, I, I don't know. I don't know anymore, especially after last year and, and low averages across the board. Don't, you know, small sample size over it. I'm over that. If you want to throw out those numbers from last year, great. You're still on a downward trend. Get the runners home. It's a fair place to put it too, with a lot of these guys who for better or for worse, Again, we talk all the time about this team has never clicked at the same time. And I think if we go up and down to each player, I think we can find one thing that we could probably call a red flag in terms of what they're going to be doing offensively moving forward or what they've done offensively in the very, very recent past. David Bodie, one shining moment. And like, what, what are you doing for me recently? You get on the field and you're becoming the next Jose Hernandez. You're going to roll over a ground ball and get us out of innings all the time. The guy, the guy who won the job. I, I'm going to ask the second base question in a second, Sean. I just want to get your take on this real quick. If you could characterize, what do you think the strengths are of this offense and this lineup going to be heading into opening day? What would you say that you hope is going to be the big shining strength of this uh, this lineup? Well, I'll tell you my, what I think is going to be like the big shining strength. And I think it's always a big shining strength. And I think they're going to be probably top five, top three in the National League as far as on base percentage. So they will have traffic guys will be on base adverse to that. To me, this Cubs offense, we can narrow this way down to, to really one category. Are they going to hit the baseball when they get men on base? Because the guys will be there. You look at the guy, Ian Happ is an on base guy. KB's an on base guy. Rizzo's an on base guy. You're going to have a lot of guys in that top three, four, five that are going to get on base. Now can Javi, not strike out with that runner in second or third. Can Bodie, we'll get to that in a second. Can Bodie come through when he has two guys on in front of him? That's the biggest issue with this team as it has been before. Can they simply put the ball and play more with guys on base? And we talked about that when we were on the pod last year, they got off to that great start because of what was the two things that we were saying, right? Two out hitting with runners in scoring position. And then also the bottom third of that lineup, really was playing well to start off the year where they were able to turn the lineup over really quickly and overcome what turned out to be really, really bad seasons from their best offensive players. Dom, let me ask you the second base position, an embarrassment of riches. I mean, it's a good problem to have when you've got four guys who are really raking the baseball in spring training and you don't know what to do. Um, And I don't know whether this came from up top. I don't know this, if this came, this decision came from more on the field, but you've, you've kind of set up Nico to be, the infielder of the future for this team. And he has flashes of, you know, the beginning of last year, he was hitting the ball hard before pitchers started getting the book on him. And, and I feel like in spring training again, you know, why I give him credit more than other guys who start to rake in spring training. I don't know. Uh, but you start to see some patterns in Nico that you're just like, yeah, he should be on this opening day roster. And the fact that, that he's not is again, like, what are we doing? where is the organization going that you're going to take Eric Sogard versus uh, Nico? And I, you know, our text thread the other day was certainly very lively. Um, and this organization might be playing the Chris Bryant uh, chip card again 
And, uh, and that sucks. That sucks that they're doing that to somebody because if they did that to me, you know, it, it becomes less about, I'm happy to be here, happy to help the team. It becomes, I can't wait to get out of that last year of their control so I can pack my bags and go to an organization that does value my talent. I wish Nico would have made the team. I'm glad he's going to be a pretty serviceable backup when he needs to be. Um, again, David Bodie, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? How are you going to help us? You'll be the backup to Bryant when he gets, when he gets hurt at third base, you, you had the grand slam and it's still awesome. I love watching that clip. It's so good. It's so good to see this, you know, to hear Santa Maria and to see the fans in center field ripping off the Jersey, like, and then what, and then what man, six, four, three, you're the easiest besides Contreras. You are really one of the easiest candidates in this lineup to turn to. And that's it. My favorite part about uh, the Nico Horner thing is, you know what we need? We need that extra year in Nico. So by the time that final <laughs> year comes around, he is pissed off. His agent is pissed off. He's been through about four or five or six different injuries. Uh, his value is perhaps at its lowest possible. That's the extra year that we really need. Now, look, the guy like hit a laser of a home run the other day. But to also be fair, the guy started off white hot. Yeah. We've seen Nico Horner do that. And then for a stretch there, I want to say maybe an eight to 10 game stretch in spring training. Uh, not so much kind of came back to earth a little bit. And then he hit that laser the other day. Yeah. I, I admit I'm a little torn on this one because I think Dom's hundred percent correct about Bodie. Bodie's a great bat off the bench, but when he's been given a chance over the last couple of years at third or second to kind of play pretty regularly, he gets exposed. He can't handle the high heat strikes out a ton up there. Or like Dom said, it's that rollover that's six, four, three. We'll see you next inning. So I, I know, I mean, in, in Bodie, what, 316 this spring? Okay. It's not 500, you know, you know, it's not some insane spring training number. As far as Nico, yeah, Nico got off hot against a bunch of guys trying to just build arm strength. Then he went like three for 28, starting to face better pitching. Then they send him down. He gets motivated, gets hot again for a few days. I don't doubt that Nico Horner needs more time in the minor leagues. I mean, the guy went straight from double A to major league baseball. He would have been in the minors last year, but they didn't have the minors last year. That's why he was on the team, started hot, and basically got benched for Kipnis when it mattered, right? So I don't doubt he needs the time down there. So I'm a little torn. But do I think that David Bodie is a better option than Nico Horner at this point? No. If, I mean, why not just let Horner bat down the bottom of the lineup, be the, be, the, be the eight hitter, let him make his contact, which this lineup, like we just said a minute ago, definitely needs. You need the contact. So I'm torn, but I think I would lean towards probably having Nino, uh, Nico as my starting second baseman and Bodie's bat off the bench. I think there's a couple things that are probably going through their mind right now. One, I, I we haven't brought up Eric Sogard, and I look, not a, not a player that's a difference maker, but I think that that is a player that the Cubs have been after for a couple of years. Yeah. They finally got him in camp. They like his versatility. They like what he brings to the team, and now they want to keep him on the team at no matter what cost. So I yeah. think there's more to do with – Sogard's roster spot, then given David Bodie that chance of being the starting second baseman. The other one, too, is let's be very fair with Nico Horner. I think last year was the year that they were going to give Nico Horner the job at second base. I don't think they thought Kipnis was going to do a lot. And they were like, this is the year Nico's going to get a ton of at bats. They gave him a ton of at bats, and David Ross couldn't play him anymore. And I'm kind of over this whole thing of we just need to give Nico Horner 500 at bats and just let him figure it out. I think there are a lot of players. Look at Javi Baez. Javi Baez had a couple seasons where he got those 300 at bats, maybe not those 500, and was able to progress along his career a little bit. 
And I can maybe see that for Nico Horner, maybe not a guy that's going to be able to play every single day, but should play at least, you know, three, four times a week. You know what I'm saying? When he does finally come up and this just might be part of that process a little bit, Sean, hop back in. Well, yeah. And to that point, like what, what justice are the Cubs doing Nico right now when there is no minor leagues until May. So he's just going to go to that alternate site and just get practice at bats for the next month. Like wouldn't he be better served even if it's only two, three starts a week facing major league pitching for the next month. But this goes back to, to our text chain the other day and what Don mentioned, I believe it's 36 days in the minors and they get an extra year out of them. So I think that's playing into that as well. But I just don't know, like, what justice are you doing the kid putting him at basically extended spring training in Iowa or Indiana, wherever they're going to have that this year for that full month? I, I don't get it. And can we just get rid of that rule already? Can we just yeah. get rid of that service time rule that like bleeds into the season that is some sort of weird arbitrary number that doesn't really reflect what an actual regular season would look like November's podcast when the yeah write that down go back in the time capsule there listeners really break that one out let's take a quick break and have a brief moment to talk about our new sponsor eBay whether rare dead stock or the latest release find the exact shoe you're looking for at eBay as the original sneaker marketplace eBay is the place to cop the best pair you've been eyeing with eBay's authenticity guarantee your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box the logo the stitching and dozens of other inspection points each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of what did i say authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return process and for the sneaker sellers out there ebay has eliminated selling fees and sneakers over 100 making it free to sell or flip your collection so go to ebay.com sneakers today ebay the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection now back to the pod so yeah let's move over to the starting pitching are you ready y'all are you ready for this are you ready for an 88 mile an hour fastball baby because we're throwing heat on the north side let's start on the positive side what has you the most excited about this potential starting staff which to be very clear now is kyle Hendricks, zach davies jake arietta albert azalea and trevor williams well i'll say first and foremost we have kyle Hendricks at the one that, that excites me. Top 10 in baseball and ERA the last seven years. I saw some stat that came out, some report that came out yesterday or today that said Kyle Hendricks was the 30th, 38th best pitcher in all of baseball. Like what a joke. What, what kind of joke is that? And that's all to do with 87 mile per hour heater. Get out of here. Top 10 in ERA the last seven years. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about how good Jake looked in the spring. I know he had a last rough outing there, but he looked a little bit like Jake from before Zach Davies, a one five ERA in the spring. And that's pitching in Arizona where the ball doesn't always do what you want it to do out there. And I love that they let Alzale have the fifth spot over Mills. I mean, God bless Millsy. Look forward to seeing him in that 12, one blowout game, but I love Alzale stuff. If he's got that slider, that's a guy who has potential to be a three pitching in your five. It gives your rotation some depth. So that's my positivity for our starting rotation. And let's be real, Alec Mills will start games for the Chicago Cubs this year, either by, you know, no one wants an injury, but also seven inning double headers. You know, these pitchers across the major leagues, they're not ready for this 200 inning workload season if you're a starter or 150 to 200. So get ready. Six man rotation, people getting skip starts. Alec Mills will definitely play a role on this team. Dom, I'm going to try and drum this out of you. What has you excited about this starting rotation? 
I am Mr. Excitement when it comes to pitching on this team. Let me tell you. And I, I, I put, you know, I like, I like Alec Mills. I put him in both categories, both in the bullpen and as a starter. I don't see anything wrong with going with six, especially to start the season. Along the lines that Sean said, I couldn't be more excited for Kyle Hendricks to be in the spotlight. I'm sure if you ask him, he will be overjoyed to answer the question about how he feels to be in the spotlight and how he feels to be the number one. Uh, he absolutely deserves it, not only on this team, but on a lot of teams. Uh, 87 miles an hour, it doesn't matter if it's 87 miles an hour. Guys are not hitting it, and they're not hitting it hard, So unless he's on the road. Uh, but other than that, like, I'm all, you know, Kyle Hendricks all in, in fact, I don't know if I was reading a different article and Sean, I think MLB ranked the opening day starters for teams and it took me four or five finger rolls on the mouse to get to like 17th, which is where Kyle Hendricks was Kyle Hendricks. There's no way is the 17th best pitcher for a team on opening day. Um, what is he top five? Probably, you know, you could probably make an argument to get him close to the top five. Um, but he's definitely in the top 10. 17 is a joke. Uh, Arietta, I, I would love, I believe I mentioned this before. Jake Arietta was awesome for this team five years ago. And we may have to check that at the door because that's going to be the narrative with Jake all year is, well, he's not the Jake he used to be, or at least this week he looks like the Jake he used to be like, ugh. He's like he's five years older. There's, I, I don't think he's going to go the whole year without being injured, which is where Mills is going to have to come in. Um, Adbert. So awesome to see his electric stuff the other night. I think that when they, he pitched against the Giants, everything was working, and and that's what he could be. And and we've seen he's almost like a Pedro Strope who can start games. Like when that stuff is on, good Lord, get ready because it's awesome. It's awesome to watch. I mean, if you could blow a guy away with a high fastball above 95 and, and drop Uncle Charlie in the dirt and the guy's just waving and missing – and mix it up. Awesome. When it's not, he's going to get knocked around the park pretty solidly, but at least he's starting to show us more consistent flashes of great. As far as Zach Davies, Trevor Williams, I mean, they're not going to get to pitch against the Cubs. So that was a sigh what... of being in love, right? That was one of those <laughs> right. like, that that was a... tender picking rose petal sigh. Is that what that was? Deep breath of strong trust of those guys to get it done and that I is mean, a I tall a glass bit... of scotch you've got there dom that is, I, wow, uh, that, is, uh, that is interesting i guess i have more faith in zach davies but again he doesn't get to pitch against the cubs so i don't know how his era is going to be hurt by that <laughs> uh, yeah so let's dive into some of those things uh, you know we were just talking about nico horner and i was just saying you know the guy doesn't need 500 bats to progress and he, we don't need to necessarily hand it to him i'm kind of going the other way with azale I hope we run this guy out yes. as often as we possibly can. I hope we don't treat him with kid gloves and see if he can work out of a jam in a fifth inning. I wouldn't pull him from the rotation unless his ERA was over five and a half. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. This guy, we really need to see what this guy can do. He needs to go through the bumps and the bruises of a season, and he needs to be able to have a bounce back start right after that. Dom, also to your point, I'm really excited for those texts of, we're going to have a nice, uh, we're going to open up some pops when it's old Jake night, right? Six innings, <laughs> one run. We're all going to text each other and go, look like old Jake painting that chalk on the corner, baby. Looking if, really good. If I had a nickel for every time we're going to get that this year, we could buy some of Sean's seats for later in the season. Uh, well, yeah. So I'm going to pull out, um, I'm going to pull out my betting Chicago turd shining kit here brought to you by betonline.ag. Uh, turd shine. Get your turd shine. 
get your turn time <laughs> for the Cubs rotation in the Bears quarterback situation. Um, so here's my painted scenario for this rotation that the things that I like, wouldn't it be really nice to have a starting rotation that like makes that has the opponents make contact that aren't walking a ton of guys that every single batter is in a three, one count. Is there a world where this contact heavy rotation, perhaps, you know, we, we have a good defense, right? We had a pretty good defense that stood up last year and this year it looks like we're going to keep that for the most part, pretty much intact. And in fact, our outfield actually got better with Jacques Peterson with his speed out there and Ian Happ patrolling center field. So is it possible that, you know, I don't know, maybe Chicago Cubs games are a little bit shorter than other major league baseball games. You know, maybe there's some more contact going on, maybe a little bit less strikeouts, obviously from the Chicago Cubs point of view, there are probably going to be some foul balls. Don't get me wrong, but maybe some less walks, some less, you know, trips to the mound, some more contact. Maybe we're playing a little bit more of a lively game on the defensive end. And maybe it kind of helps us out a little bit as opposed to, you know, you Darvish, bless your soul. You, I'm sorry, you're gone, but my God, watching your game sometimes (laughs) excruciating not just in between pitches, but my God, the foul balls. Yeah. The, the oh, he wanted to throw like, Oh, and two, he throws some, his seventh pitch in his arsenal just for funsies instead of just punching a guy out. You know what I mean? Like those games were really, really hard to watch. I could only imagine a Cubs defense, maybe being lulled to sleep out there when, you know, he's trying to like get these guys out. Same goes for Tyler Chatwood and the list kind of goes on a little bit. Is it possible that this rotation might play a little bit better to just, you know, a little more pep in the step, getting in and out of the dugout, baby. I mean, I'm doing the best I can with this here. Sean, what's your thought on that? And then also, what is your concern with this starting rotation? <laughs> First off, you're, you're telling me that you didn't enjoy the 705 Monday night. You Darvish start that ended at 1130. Oh my God. Enjoy the four and a half hour baseball game that had like a three to one score. Come on. What are you talking about here? Eight sparkling oh. innings and four oh. saving private Ryan's later. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did enjoy it. It was great. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think you're spot on the defense is going to have to be on their toes this year and, and, and the good defense better show up because there will be with these guys with the first four guys, a ton more contact. I mean, I think Arietta is basically going to be this year's, you know, Johnny Lester where, yeah, he may look great, for a few starts in a row where we're like, Oh, Jake from state farm is back. And then he may just go down the tank for a few starts in a row. And we're like, Oh good. The Phillies Jake is here. Great. So it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster with him, but I think you're right. The games will be quicker. When you get contact, things are always quicker when you're not living or dying by 10 to 15 strikeouts a game. It's why it goes, it's, it goes back to it's so important for the Cubs to hit with guys on, on, on base and score runs because I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of, you know, 3-1, 2-0, 2-1 games with this pitching staff. It's more likely it's going to be Cubs are going to have to score four or five runs a game and win a game five to three along the way. Put the ball in play and throw strikes, Dom. I mean, I know it's going to make all of our uncles and, and fathers and grandfathers happy, but do you are you buying what I'm selling? And what is your concern with this starting rotation? Yeah, they're going to get hit. I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's no question about that. I mean... These guys like to lay it over the plate. Uh, there's, again, the sigh of trust comes out. <laughs> I, I, you are I, so in love with this starting rotation. It's just tough for you to, it's, to get through it. And, and maybe that's just me as the National League fan being selfishly, but like you Darvish could at least win games. I mean, it, it might take him six hours to do it, but but he was going to win. I mean, I don't see Arietta or Davies reaching 13 wins. I don't see Trevor Williams getting 
12 wins. Adbert might hit 10. Kyle's going to get 30, 30 wins. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be interesting. That's confidence right there, buddy. Oh man. I don't even, I don't even know. And then it gets, you know, and it's not only that, it's the mixture of these bullpen guys. And again, if I flash back to the opening scene in major league where, you know, the guys are discussing the guys on the team and they're like, I don't even, I don't even know these guys. I, I can't trust the guy, Andrew Chafin, sweet stash, baby. What, I, you got some good stuff, but I, I don't see, I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to score a lot of runs and it's going to come down to getting real nervous in seven, eight, even Kimbrell in the ninth, God willing, we're in some sort of save situation, but uh, I, I wouldn't say the back end of the rotation and the bullpen is the strength of this team. No, and that's putting it lightly, and and you're just uh, you're diving right into it. So let's get to the bullpen a little bit, Sean. I want you to weigh on it too as well. Last year, I think we can easily characterize as just an abysmal start, just a, a historically eye popping, uh, tear the flesh off your face type of start for the bullpen. <laughs> they were able to rebound a little bit, but again, you know, we had issues in the ninth inning where. We had Jeremy Jeffress, and then we kind of tried to get Craig Kimball back in the mix. Couldn't really get it to happen. We never really found true continuity there. And it did cost us a couple of games down the stretch. Now heading in, you know, some of the same cast of characters coming back, but the same type of cut and paste together again. You know, what is your take on this bullpen right now? Can it be serviceable? Do you trust Tommy Hadovy and the boys and David Ross that they – can get something out of this ragtag group that again is going to comprise of our bullpen. I mean, this is where I, I quote Dominic and just go sigh. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't have a damn clue when it comes to this bullpen, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't help one bit that we're missing Rowan wick as well. Who's kind of your eighth inning setup, man. And sounds like it's going to be out for a while. Kimbrell, who knows? I mean, literally, I mean, who knows about any single one dude, in this bullpen right now. And real quick, let me interject. What have you seen from Craig Kimbrell in the spring for the people that have not gotten a chance to watch any spring games so far? Well, you know, started off awful. And then you start hearing things from like Rossi being like, you know, the fastball's not rising. It's just sitting there. We got to get him back in the pitch lab. And you start hearing stuff like that. And you're just like, oh my God, here we go again. Same stuff. Here we go. Same stuff again. This is year three with the Cubs. What are we talking about pitch lab? The guy's been in the big leagues forever. Now, he, he did get better as the spring went along. I think his ERA, ERA went from like 36 to 12. Much more respectable, like a 12 ERA out of your closer there, right? But I think the fastball kicked up, 98, 99, had some more life. I mean, at the end of the day, what are we going to do? Like, n- name the other guy in that bullpen that you would even remotely come close to putting in that spot right now. We didn't bring Jeremy Jeffers back. Rowan Wick is hurt. Who's it going to be? Rex Brothers? Nico Ryan Tapera, yeah, Ryan Tapera. <laughs> and honestly, Braylon Braylon Marquez, um, yeah, I'm not sure. So I think as fans, we're kind of stuck with it. We have to just create a guy, the guy can throw, throw the throw strikes in the appropriate manner, throw the pitch he's supposed to throw in the right spots. We don't need an O2 hanging slider that ends up, you know, on Waveland, and just cross our fingers and see what happens. Yeah, you would think eventually a guy just sort of finds the baseline a little bit, and you would think this would be the year where he would actually be able to keep his ERA, I don't know, in the low fours, maybe, dare yeah. I say, the high threes. But again, I, I also have skepticism about it too as well. But, Dom, I want to give Craig Kimball credit, and I want to ask you because 
he's been on the team a short time, maybe what a, a season and a half now. This is going to be his second, second, a third ish season. Has he gone through what is it now? Four different looks. Because his hair is blonder this year. It's longer this year. <laughs> I think he came in with the red hair, the, the beard. Then he went to the long red hair, and then he shaved. Then he tried to grow back the beard. It didn't work, so he shaved it off. And now he's going like with like a strawberry blonde in the back there. I mean, you got to give him credit, right? He's trying to make it work through his hairstyle and his facial representation. What does this guy need? Like some nipple clamps or something? What's the next move from him? <laughs> a facial presentation that, that's going to turn his career around. Maybe that's what they work on in pitch lab. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe he could try the other arm. I, I don't know. But try like, the like, other arm. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Fortini in the pitch lab. <laughs> Have we thought about the other arm? <laughs> what? How are you throwing with your other hand? <laughs> Backwards this whole time. But uh, Sean's right. Like there's certain, there's certain red flags kind of on the play when you hear some talk around Kimbrel. Like, he had four consecutive scoreless appearances to end spring training. Like, hey, good job, pal. You really held him in check. Let's give like, him 45 million. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, he hasn't. Has he been better? Yes. He was quite awful when he started here. He got worse. Then he got relieved of his duties. Then he came back and did a little better. Then there was an uptick. But if, the, if you're shelling out this kind of money for a guy, lights out is the answer. You said a word that I think this bullpen needs. It needs continuity. And another C word that I wrote down next to it was consistency. Because you're going to start seeing these guys come in and it's not going to matter. They're, these are going to be faceless guys, uh, except for Chafin with the mustache. That at least you can you know have a face to be like, oh, this guy's coming in super. Here comes here comes a double off the wall. Here comes the sheriff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so again, I, I I don't know. I don't know about this bullpen, but it's what they're going to roll with. So this is where you have to trust the powers that be. Of course, we've talked about that and how we don't trust the powers that be. But the bullpen has certainly been a trouble spot for them the last few years you might want to think about upgrading at some points and in, in an interesting way to maybe get this out on a positive note is david ross did a pretty decent job last year trying to manage a dumpster fire right i mean a thing that went so wrong early on in the season and they were winning games i mean they were literally trucking guys in and out of the the alternate site on the daily i mean can't trust this guy. Bye-bye, Winkler. In comes someone, you know what I mean? On and on and on until they found what they could consider something that could be palatable. And this is a 162-game season. I was going to say that was 60 games, and they barely I know, made it and, and you know, now yeah. David Ross is going to have to do this for a full season long, just keep trying to, you know, they're just going to keep trying to scrounge the organization to find as many different pieces as they can. And I, I'll be honest with you, it might get to the point where if a guy in A this year has a good week or two, Bring them up. What's the what's the what's the difference, right? I mean, I think this is the year you see a guy like a Braylon Marquez. I mean, I'm hoping a guy like a Jason Adam maybe takes a step forward. I mean, these are things that we're really going to have to figure out, and it's going to be done on the fly, and it's going to be a little experimental. But I thought David Ross did a pretty decent job, you know, making a chicken salad out of chicken shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. and, and I'm interested to see how he handles that over a 162 season. Let's get out of the bullpen. It's time for some over-unders, ladies and gentlemen. These over-unders are brought to you by betonline.ag. Head on over there right now to get all your favorite Cubs futures in on the mix right now. So let's just throw some things out real quick. 
Uh, I believe Cubs to win the division right now are plus 550 at Bet Online. These are going to be uh, individual player over unders. All of them right now are pretty much like minus 115. So they're all pretty much the same price. So this is just really like whether you think they're going to get to this number or not. So it's going to be a little lightning round. You're going to tell us a little over under and then just a brief reason why. Let's start with our boy Anthony Rizzo. Let's do it, guys. 27.5 home runs, 89.5 runs batted in. Dom, you're going to go first over and over or under on one of those numbers. I'm going to go under on homers. I like my boy. I like him. I'm going to go over on RBI. I, I, Rizzo's ordering the ribbies. Yeah, he's uh, he's in a good spot in the lineup. Again, Baez and Hayward are going to be on base for him. Bodie's going to ground out the pitcher spot. Hap could knock some guys over. Rizzo's going to pay. I like the over for both of them. Sean, what say you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. The Cubs just piss Rizzo off. He's going to be extra motivated. I expect him to have a year. I'm going over, I think, pretty easily on both of those. Let's go over to the pitching side real quick. I might already know what Dom's answer is on this one, but we'll find out anyway. Over, over is the answer. <laughs> Zach, Zach Davies, Zach Davies, 9.5 wins. Yeah, I'll take the over. I think Dom was on with what he said a minute ago, 12, 13 wins. I mean, that sounds reasonable for a guy like Davies. Yeah, I think that's kind of a criminal number. I think that's sort of a layup right there from a betting yeah. perspective. 9.5 wins. I mean, the Duke could still go like 11 and 12 and still go over that number. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I think they're going to expect him to eat up some innings this year. That's going to be his expectation more than anything else. And I think that could help him get there. Dom, what say you? 9.5 on Zach Davies. Yeah, there's nothing a degenerate gambler loves more than a, a, a lower line here. Uh, I'm going to take the over. And, and just like you said, if you end up with 11 wins, you could still have a Carlos Zambrano type, you know, 12 and 17 with a, with a four and a half ERA and consider oh. yourself having a good year over. Uh, let's talk about another low number here. Javi Baez batting average over under 259. And 28.5 home runs. You know, the number, as soon as you started reading in my head, that jumped out was 262. Uh, that's clearly over the 258. I feel like he can at least hit 262. I'm going to go over there. Uh, what was the home runs? Uh, 28.5. Wow. So he's going to hit more home runs than Rizzo? I don't know. I'm going to say I'm gonna say under on that. Yeah, the homers is a bit of a Vegas number, in my opinion. Sean, what say you on over-under Javi Baez? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Dom. I say over the batting average, I could see 265, 270. Again, you know, motivated contract year. Javi's not hitting 29, 30 home runs. So I would have to go under on that. I think 23 to 26 is a good number for him on that. I think the school of thought on Javi Baez is that if he hits under 259, it's going to be like 230, right? And then you're going to yeah. be like way, way, way wrong. I would like to think that it's going to be, if he does have any sort of a solid bounce back this year, I yeah. think he easily can get over the 260 mark. That feels like a good value number for me. Moving on, we're going to go back to the pitching side. Jake Arrieta, 8.5 wins. I mean, I think this one sets up perfectly for your for your Zambrano. I mean, he could go, he could literally go 10 and 10, have a 500 season with an ERA of four and a half and beat your number. So I'll I'll go I'll go over. I wish I could disagree, but I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go over as well. I mean, I, I expect at least eight. He could probably eke out one more in a in a wild game of some kind. Um yeah, definitely over. Yeah, one, not by much, not by much, but we're going to go. Over. The one caveat I think with Arietta, even more than Davies, is like Dom said earlier, health. Yeah, this is a stay away from me solely based on yeah. that. Is is he going to make those thirty starts this year? And then on top of that, too, the other thing with Jake Arietta, um, you know, betting fans keep in mind is that he's a guy that we've already brought up. There's going to be days when he only goes four or five innings, and there's going to be days when he could perhaps leave a game that he's leading and not qualify for the win. 
because yeah. for whatever reason, a pitch count, you know, four and two thirds, uh, three walks, two runs, you know what I mean? And he went, you know, they win the game, but he might not get the victory in that game because yeah. he has to go deeper into games. And I think that's what drives down his win total right there. Back over to the offensive side of the ball. Chris Bryant over under 261 batting average. Where does your heart? This is where your heart <laughs> meets your head, my friend. And I'm wondering which one you're going to listen to on this one. You know, I work hard for my money. I don't <laughs> like to part with my money. I like to have more money. My heart says over. I would put a low amount on on over. It's not 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 a whole lot of uh, confidence behind that. It's an equal slap in the face, but also completely understandable at the exact same time. Is that even is that fair to say? I mean, he, I feel like he could hit anywhere between 250 and 290. Um, yeah. that, that's where I think he's going to be, which is, you know, that's not a very, that, that's too wide of a window, certainly. But 260 is, ooh, that's not getting hot for too long and not staying too, you know, one hit every other game. I feel like he can do that. Sean, 261, what say you? Yeah, I mean, the same reason I wouldn't make this bet is with Arietta because you just don't know with KB and his health. But if KB plays 150 games and he gets his at bats in to me, I feel like he's a safe bet for at least 270. So I would definitely go over on this. If I was forced to bet it, we got just a couple left. We're going to double tap this one real quick, Sean, you're going to go first Ian half 28.5 home runs versus Jacques Peterson, 29.5 home runs. Which one do you think is more likely to get the over assuming they're both going to start every day? I would probably say Jacques Peterson. Yeah, I think he's, he's, hit, he's hit 30 in the past. And yeah, I think he'll get, I think he could get over. And I think, I don't, I think that's too high a number for Ian Happ. If Ian, if Ian Happ from the leadoff spot gets me 20 ish home runs, I'm pretty happy with that, right? Yeah. The Jacques Peterson numbers feels pretty doable. Dom, yeah. the Ian Happ, uh, 28.5. I mean, God, how does he get to that number? That feels like a hard under to me. Yeah. I mean, that'd be great to get out of your leadoff hitter, certainly. But I think Jacques Peterson's more of the guy who both you want to see that out of and who can, get to that number um ian st just stay healthy and strong at that leadoff spot you know i don't need a homer every game if you want it on the first pitch if you want to hit a home run like you've done before do it but i i don't i don't need that power every day from you this is the last one and the odds are plus 100 for both so this is actually uh this is actually something that that you're that you're going to be banking on here which one's more likely to hit this plus 100 number craig kimbrell Plus 28 saves, 28 saves or more for the season, or Kyle Hendricks, 13 or more wins for the season. Sean, hop in. Which one do you think is more likely? Let me say this. I think pretty easily that it's more likely that our, that our ace, Hendricks, will be more, more than 13 wins. But the thing I'm looking forward to the most is when I show up to the ballpark in July and Craig Krimble has just proved us all wrong. He's got almost 30 saves in mid July. I'm throwing with his left arm. I walk up there. <laughs> There's Dominic wearing his newly purchased Craig Kimball jersey, and he's got the strawberry blonde hair just dyed. And he's just like, hey, buddy, I told you. Left hand. I'm like, you guys, yes. you both show up in your handshakes like this. Yeah, beards <laughs> down to here, strawberry. I just, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. But I think that's less likely, and it's more likely that Hendricks wins more than 13 games. Dom, what you got? Craig Kimbrell's going to get to 28 saves or Kyle Hendricks will win 13 or more games? You know, you uh, you hug one redheaded guy at a Cubs convention in a line of like three people and you get pinned 
to another guy with strawberry red hair. Uh, <laughs> I definitely got to go with, uh, I definitely have more faith in my money with Kyle Hendricks than I do with, with Craig Kimball. I, I think, you know, maybe early on in the season, he might have a better shot to start racking up some saves, but his teams start figuring out that they can hit 80 to 90 mile an hour fastballs. Um, I, I think it's going to be harder for him to get into a spot. Plus, you know, he's not, you got to, these guys before him in the bullpen, if they can't hold the lead, he's not going to get, he's not going to get the opportunity. So uh, at least Hendricks going to be handed the ball. I, I like my money on Kyle Hendricks. It's time, gentlemen. It's time to put our names on some numbers here. It is time for final win total predictions. And I also want you to tell me your number might indicate whether this is true or not, but also tell me whether that number is good enough to get the Chicago Cubs into a playoff spot, either by wildcard or win the division in the NL central. I'll handle the back of this question first. I think they can make, I think they can somehow piecemeal something together to where they could at least have a wildcard spot. Um, in thinking about this question the other day, you know, cause I'm starting to lose sleep already. It's somewhere between 84 and 86. Now that number can fall to 75 in a hurry. Um, but I think I, despite some of the offensive troubles that this lineup has had, I think during the season, um, they've been able to hit the ball. They've been able to move guys along. It's just that postseason drought of being able to do those same things. You're not facing, you know, you're not facing Noah Syndergaard every day. You're not facing a U Darvish every day. Um, they're going to get, they're going to get their hits. They're going to score some runs. I think they can uh, leak themselves into a playoff spot. I, I mean, I want to say 85. Um, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with 80. I'm going to go with 83. 83. And yeah, look, the, the, the pitching within the division definitely helps kind of like lead us to the, to the belief that we could possibly make a little bit of a run. And also keep in mind, too, we didn't touch it on the season preview, but I did that on purpose about what the Cubs are going to do with the trade deadline. But you mentioned it perfectly where if the Cubs are close to that 82-83 projection, it probably could go to 75 real quick because it probably means they're selling guys off the team. But look, like I, in a season preview, that is not our that is not a conversation that we need to have. What are they going to do with the deadline? You know, we really don't know. Right. They could be up six games in the division and they could still trade guys. Right. Yeah. You know, so we just really don't know exactly what that team is going to do and what it's going to look like. All they have to do is worry about winning as many games as they possibly can. And maybe just maybe I'm not going to close the window on it because suddenly, you know, they found money under the couch cushions to pay for Jacques Peterson and Jake Arrieta. The Cubs could, in theory, still be buyers if this season is going, you know, to the ultimate, you know, possible successful level that everyone maybe envisions it. So I'm just not willing to like put my mark on what that is going to look like and what that's going to be yet. Sean, what say you give us a win total projection. And do you think this Cubs team is playing in the postseason? Well, I mean, I'll say this first off, I'm going to be very shortly all over that plus plus five fifty number to win the division. I don't know if they will, but that's a great bet. I'll be taking uh, a win total. I'll say 86 wins. I'm going to put some faith that the offense is, is, is pretty, pretty deep or pretty thick as Joe Madden would like to say, they're going to score a few more runs. The defense is going to be good. I think the starting rotation as much as we're kind of against it. I think that they're going to stay a little healthy. They're going to do their thing. The bullpen is just a major, major, massive question mark for me. And look to me, this entire season for everything you just said, Joey, this entire season is about the first three months. If the Cubs get off to a really good start in April, May, June, then who knows what happens the second part of the year because the Cubs maybe do open up 
the purse strings a little bit and bring in help. If they don't, then then it could go the other way. And we could see, like Dominic said, all of a sudden they're, lo- they're winning 75 games. But I think they'll have a good first start. I think they're, like we said in one of our other podcasts, the entire team's on a contract here. You can't be more motivated than that. They all want to come out and play well so they get paid. I think we'll get off to a good start. And I'm going to say 86 wins. And they're going to be right there in it for the division. And they make at least a wild card spot to get back into some October baseball. Looking at the schedule right off the bat, I think we get the Pirates six or eight yeah. times in the first month. We get the Brewers about six or eight times in the first month. We got a little yeah. bit of some Braves action. It's not good. No, it's a very, very doable schedule to get off to a really good start and get kind of those good vibes going on in this team. And I'm really curious to see. I'm going higher, guys. I was trying to – there was a time about a week ago where I was like, can this team actually surprise everyone and win 90? Are we are we so underselling what the, the, the constants are of this team that they can't – and then I had to back off of that. And I'm still going – I'm going a little bit under. Going a little bit under. I'm, I'm saying 88. And here's what I'm saying is I just think that this is one of those teams that's not going to scare anybody, but they're just going to go out and they're just going to play baseball and they're just going to win games. And it's going to be different a little bit every single day. I do think that we're going to see a more interesting dynamic offense. I think even if we get a half bounce back from Rizzo, Baez, KB, and Contreras, I'm sorry, if they don't hit 200 this year, if they all hit 245, I think we're going to win some games, honestly. And I am kind of buying into that Zach Davies mentality of, I think we're going to be, we're going to lead the league in least amount of strikeouts per our pitching staff. Also, I think the contact and the defense a little bit, I think that is going to help us out. And I think that could really help us out too. In those early games in April and May, when the weather is kind of shitty, when you kind of want to get up and get out of there, or when you're trying to like get a double play, I think all those foul balls and all those misses and all those, taking forever and forever and forever with the high-end heat that a lot of pitchers like to use. I think we might be able to use that to our advantage for a little while. Whether we can pull that off for an entire season, I'm not so sure, right? Because there's going to come a point where rubber meets the road, and I don't know if our talent is going to be able to carry us through that second half of the season that you're talking about, Sean. Yeah. We're going to have to make a decision of, do we make additions to this team? And the additions are solely, completely, only bullpen and rotation and then we're just going to see where that is, but that's far down the road. I do think this team is constituted in a certain way that can get them off to a good start, and I do think they could have a good season. And, yeah, the division doesn't scare me, guys. No. doesn't scare me at all. I mean, even St. Louis Cardinals, they got Nolan Arenado. Great. Who else is going to hit on that team, for real? And, and who's their pitching staff? Once you get past Flaherty, who's pitching? I, you got me. I mean – Michaelis is hurt. Waka's gone. Wainwright came back. I, I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? And the right, same, like, yeah. same thing with the Brewers after Woodruff. I'm kind of at a loss for words of who's going to really scare yeah. them. Cincinnati for me as a team, you know, Sonny Gray's already on the shelf a little bit. They do have Luis Castillo. I just see that, that, that they're going to be bad. And I think they're going to be trying to trade pieces. Yeah. And I see them probably trading pieces as early as June. Yeah. So I think they go in the tank a little bit earlier than people want to believe. And just for that reason alone, that is an advantageous position for the Cubs to be in. And it sucks, right? After all the hand-wringing and after all the, you know, complaining that we've done about Cubs ownership, this Cubs team still has enough pieces on this team to be a winner this year. And it is despite Cubs ownership, not because of Cubs ownership. Dom, do I got you going, baby? 
<laughs> Where are we going? We're, I mean, uh, we're going to October, my friend. We're going, we're going right to October. October. I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch all the games on the Marquee Network, and uh, I'm sticking to that. What's the uh, What's the Marquee Network? I'm, I'm not familiar. Oh. <laughs> fine, fine production company. It's a little something we call the Boog, ball, ball the Boog Tube. <laughs> Hop on the Boog Tube and uh, listen to some games and some calls. There you have it, guys. That is our 2021 Chicago Cubs season preview with my Cubs consiglieres. Don Fortini, man, thank you very much for coming back on the pod. Always a pleasure. 2016 was great. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> and Sean Graves, my friend, always great to have you back on the pod, man. Thanks for coming back. And go Cubs, go, right? Go Cubs, guys. Let's have a good baseball week. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. This was Betting Chicago. My name is George Christopoulos. Thank you for listening to this pod. Enjoy opening day, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a really fun week. We're going to have some great baseball content coming for you right here on this platform the rest of the way of the season. But until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.